What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you for the fourth installment of the 2017 Ohio State Opponent Preview Series. And we previewed Oklahoma on the last podcast. Make sure to go check that out at SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand or go to Apple Podcasts and search the Hangout in the Holy Land to listen to all of the 2017 Opponent Preview Series podcasts and this one as well. So for this episode, it is time to talk UNLV football and their matchup with Ohio State and how the Rebels are going to look this season. And to do that, I am joined by Ray Brewer, who is the assistant managing editor of Digital and Sports over at the Las Vegas Sun and also a contributor for the Rebel Room podcast. Ray, what's going on? Hey, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for joining the show. I'm doing great. So you are just getting back from Mountain West Media Days. How was that? You know, it's interesting because, you know, the Mountain West obviously isn't one of the the more sexy leagues out there. But, you know, uh, the Wyoming quarterback should be or could be a a first-round pick, if not the first overall pick in the draft. And, of course, last year at San Diego State, Donnell Pumphrey, a, a Vegas kid, set the NCAA rushing record. So it's a league that has some some decent teams and some decent players, but as a whole obviously doesn't stack up to the, to the big 10 or to the sec. And uh, it, it was fun to walk around and, and see which teams have what players. And uh, there's a ton of new coaches this year in the league. And it's, it is wide open. Um, last year, for example, Wyoming played in the, the league championship game uh, over Boise state, which is probably the only team in the mountain West that folks know. So UNLV feels really optimistic about its chances uh, to compete in the Mountain West. With that said, they have to go to Columbus, play Ohio State the week before opening league play. So you think, well, maybe it's nothing to lose for UNLV, but if they get banged up, if their quarterback gets injured, it could hurt them for next week when they play San Jose State to open league play. You talked about some of the good players that are in the Mountain West Conference right now and talked about the new coaches as well. But there's a it seems like there's a lot of really, really good coaches in that league. You look at Air Force, Troy Calhoun has been able to establish a pretty solid baseline for what they're able to do. Brian Harson at Boise State is always formidable. It looks like Mike Bobo at Colorado State, they're primed for a really big year. And then you've got coaches like Rocky Long, who's doing great at SDSU and Craig Bull at Wyoming. Is this the most stable that you've seen this conference in a long time? It could be. I mean, those are the top end guys, obviously. Uh, for example, you know, UNR has a, a, a first time head coach. Uh, San Jose State has a, a first time head coach. And Jane Norville uh, was a guy who the UNR coach and, and here in Las Vegas, we refuse to say Nevada. So we're always going to call him UNR. But you know, he's a guy who actually was crying at media day because he was so honored to be the coach of the Wolfpack. And uh, so we have some top end guys. You mentioned Rocky Long from San Diego State. He's a guy who had been around forever in New Mexico, took San Diego State, which was like the bottom feeder of the league, and has been able to build that up into a, a really solid, successful 10-win program year after year. And if you look at his assistants, he's got, you know, Jeff Horton, who... Uh, was the interim coach at Minnesota for a while. He coached here at UNLV, former head coach. Bobby Houck was extremely successful at Montana, 
didn't work out at UNLV. He's on the staff at San Diego State. So I think San Diego State really has, you know, some 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 top end smart guys uh, manipulating the program. Obviously, all the coaches you've mentioned, you know, Air Force is just a different animal because uh, th- their system really confuses folks. Um, one of the 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 talking points uh, at media day was. Look at a team's record the week after they play Air Force because you focus all week on on, on stopping the triple option, the misread stuff, and then you got to go back into playing regular defense, and it just doesn't work out. So Air Force is always going to be a huge problem, and everybody just has so much respect for, for what they do and, and, and getting an opportunity to play over there. So it, it's definitely a league that has those top-tier teams, San Diego State, Boise State, but toward the bottom where UNLV has been, where, you know, San Jose has got a new coach, Reno's got a new coach, Fresno's hitting the reset button. Uh, there's definitely some teams that, that could uh, be have some embarrassing moments. I like that you brought up uh, teams' records after playing against Air Force because Ohio State is going to be in a similar position against UNLV given that they play Army in that option offense a week beforehand. And, uh, Bob Davey, another guy that's doing a lot of great things at New Mexico in the Mountain West Conference. So a lot of exciting stuff. And for our listeners, if you're just strictly focused on Ohio State or Big Ten, if, if you have the means, check out some Mountain West football this year. But getting into UNLV, how would you describe third-year coach Tony Sanchez and what he's been able to bring to that program? And where is the program at now compared to where it was when he took it over? Well, uh, first off, I'll, I'll put a little asterisk in the question. I'm a huge Tony Sanchez guy. Um, I covered Gorman from the day he showed up to when he built it into a national champion. I saw him manage personalities with, you know, the Fertitta kids who, you know, they owned most of Las Vegas and the UFC and Snoop Dogg's son. And uh, the guy, first of all, is, is a salesman. He understands marketing. He understands positive publicity and uh, he's gone over to UNLV, and he's become the first coach that's really embraced Las Vegas. Other coaches have been afraid to embrace the greatness that's the Strip, right? A majority of people who live in town have a connection to the Strip. Their parents work there. They work there. They go there to eat and socialize. And from the outside looking in, say, for example, if you're in Columbus, you may not want your son to go to UNLV where the Strip is a walk away. But coaches embrace the strip, uh, embrace the greatness of Las Vegas, and everything from changing the uniform to the diagram on the football field to slogans, it has just a piece of Las Vegas. And for me, a guy who was born and raised here, I I think that's pretty cool. In terms of the actual program, he's uh, trying to raise $30 million to build a football facility. Uh, The football complex uh, is worse than it was at the high school he came from. Um, it's embarrassing. It's one of the worst in the league. And when you're recruiting kids, they care about, like, where am I going to spend my time? What am I going to wear? And uh, he's been able to raise, you know, a lot of money on his own, and they're coming down the home stretch to potentially breaking ground. So that's just a sign of where they're moving in the right direction. Uh, another thing, which is a, a big thing for UNLV, but you, you guys – uh, in a power conference, wouldn't think it's a big thing. He's fundraised the money to get uh, incoming freshmen to campus in June. So previously they would show up first week of August and have three weeks, and everybody you signed would either A, have the red shirt, or B, be thrown in when they weren't ready. So he's getting kids there in June, having them go through summer school, 
which helps with the APR, which, again, is commonplace at Ohio State, but it, it, it didn't happen here at Las Vegas because we didn't have the resources for that. So a uh, complete upgrade, yeah, on paper they're 7-17. Seven and 17. Yeah, the last game they lost horribly at home to Reno, but if you look at the infrastructure of the program – He's really building it step-by-step. Uh, step. It may be slowly but surely, but he's put, he's put some love into, into, the, into the program. Looking at last year's team, UNLV dealt with a ton of injuries last season, especially on their offense. But when you deal with that many injuries, you're able to build up a little bit of depth. Do you think that that is the talking point of the team heading into fall practice this year is so much more depth than there was last year, and there's at least more options to look at on that offense? You know, I, th I think the fact that, that the offense is healthy, that's going to provide, you know, the numbers you need. You look at two years ago, his first year, they had one tight end for the last game of the season. This past season, they ran out of wide receivers. So they had a quarterback who started a game at quarterback, transfer positions to play wide receiver. They also had a five foot seven walk on start a game at wide receiver. And uh, Devontae Boyd, who is been UNLV's best player for the last three years, his numbers were down a little bit toward the end of last year because you could see defenses shifting strictly to cover him. So the fact that, you know, you'll have a, a, a Kendall Keys uh, healthy and ready to go um, and fully and, and, you know, fully not dealing with nagging injuries, he's 100% um, really – expands the offense and then with the running game they were 15th nationally in in yards uh, on the ground last year uh, they've got a tailback charles williams who has legit speed i don't care which conference you're in and the quarterback armani rogers who listen his biggest test he's a he's a freshman who hasn't been tackled in two years his biggest test will come against ohio state you know how long do they let him in the game to to get tackled and beaten. He's six foot three, two to 30, uh, runs a four, six forty, had uh, three pack 12 offers was originally committed to Cal. And then he came to UNLV and, you know, they, they were so tempted to lift his red shirt last year because quarterback after quarterback went down, but for the good of the kid and for the good of the program, they kept him out. And now, Las Vegas is just buzzing like who is this Armani Rogers kid what is he going to do how good does that make UNLV yeah I want to talk about Armani Rogers because in the last week I've seen a lot more articles floated out about him and there's comparisons to Cam Newton and the way that he plays what are the expectations of him this season you know I think that right now it's it depends on who you talk to if you talk to those folks uh with the team it's okay don't get injured manage the offense week by week, get better, you know, and eventually we'll let you loose and you could run and throw and do everything you're supposed to. But I think some fans think that, okay, we're starting a kid who's going to have an impact of like Jameis Winston when he started right away at Florida state or, uh, you know, Cam Newton, his, his one year at Auburn where he just comes in and he's the best player on the field or, and maybe that's the case in some of the games against weaker Mountain West opponents. But with the way the offense is stacked up, I mean, they return everybody except for the center. Um, young and good offensive line, uh, receivers that are proven, two running backs that are proven. If he just manages the game, gets the ball into the hands of people who could make plays, he's got a chance to look a lot better early than 
than I think people expect them to be. And then as his career progresses, as the season progresses, you know, I'm sure we'll see him uh, take off for some long runs or throw the long ball. The kid has got an absolute cannon. And if you look at the history of UNB quarterbacks, they've had nobody that could throw the ball long since maybe Jason Thomas in the, you know, the late nineties and JT led UNLV to a bowl win against Arkansas that year. So it's been a minute for UNLV and, and having a real quarterback. Earlier on, you mentioned running back Charles Williams in the strength of the UNLV ground game. And he was very good as a freshman, but UNLV also has Lexington Thomas, who's going to be a, a junior this year, who he may have not have been as efficient as Williams, but he was very explosive in the carries that he got, giving them a nice one-two punch. Do you expect those guys to be the strength of this offense again? And and like you're saying about Rodgers, you know, he may not have to carry this offense. They can kind of lean on the ground game as they get him used to Division One college football. Yeah, I think Tony's big mantra, and like I said earlier, you know, I've been talking and interviewing and covering his team since 2009, and he always wants to wear you down with the power running game and then let that uh, lead to some passing. And I think that that Williams and Lex, they're going to have an opportunity to uh, to carry the load. If those guys are getting big yards early, he, he's going to stick to it. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And I'm super curious to see how they do running the ball against Ohio State because it's one thing to be 15th nationally running the ball when your quarterback is making a you know sports center top 10 play with some crazy 92 yard run against a weak Fresno State team who a few weeks later fired their coach it's another thing to line up and try to push around you know Ohio State who has guys on the D line who could potentially be high NFL draft picks or who are going to play on Sunday so very curious to see how they do against the Buckeyes um, I, I think they're going to be great outside of that game uh, because they're they're proven they're capable and you know they rushed for so much last year you, you, you have to think it's going to continue getting into the passing game out wide Devontae Boyd is back and he had a very good season last year with 45 catches for 746 yards he comes back for his senior season the one thing I think that just looking at the stats and watching UNLV just a little bit that stood out to me is that Boyd had 50 more targets than anybody else on the roster but now with Kendall Key's coming back and Brandon Presley coming back. Do you expect that to change, or is this still going to be a passing game that is very heavy on targets for Devontae Boyd and then just a few others for whoever's left? You know, I, I think it'll be spread out. Another player who got hurt last year is uh, Darren Woods uh, Jr., who is another explosive guy. Um, one game against Idaho, I think he had like five for 100 yards. Uh, so, He's a guy that is going to be back and healthy, no more injured knee that's going to add to the mix. So they've got three or four capable guys. So sheer math, I think they're going to really spread it out, especially since I think a lot of the defenses are going to focus on Boyd and Boyd and Boyd, and you're going to get some one-on-one coverage with a Keys or a Woods or a Presley, and those guys are going to have an opportunity to thrive. So I think just with the way the defenses are going to line up against UNLV, I think that some of these other guys are going to have an opportunity to to get more more looks. UNLV really struggled under Pac-12 veteran defensive coordinator Kent Bear last year. What has been the talk about that defense heading into fall practice? Yeah, and see, 
uh, Sanchez is very, you know, forthcoming about the defense. And he, A, is defensive. He says, listen, if you look at the yards uh, given up on the ground since his crew took over, it's a night and day improvement, which it, it was. UNLV was giving up way too many rushing yards. But he says, listen, our weakness is our secondary. We couldn't stop the long ball last year. We have unproven players back there. And that's, you know, going to be an area of concern. And and it should be. You look at uh, probably the game that, that changed the season, season last year. They lost at home to Idaho. And Idaho just beat them long and long and long again. And to, to be successful, they're going to have to – to remedy that um, they've got a kid back there, Tim Huff, who played too early. That's a common theme with a lot of UNLV players. They just didn't have anybody, but the kid's a, a junior now. And I, I, I think he's going to solidify some things back there uh, from what Sanchez has said. And, and from what I've seen, the, the kid had a, a great spring, great summer. He's ready to go, but you, you got to have 10 capable guys back there at, at all times to, to mix and match. And you and I'll be just lacks the numbers in the body and the proven commodities in the secondary. So that'll be a weakness going forward. I, I think a lot of people remember how the old Western athletic conference used to be the old whack. And many of the teams in the mountain West resemble the old whack, right? And you'd get BYU 50, New Mexico, 47, and, Wyoming 50 and San Diego State 40. I think we're going to see a lot of those games with UNLV. I think they're going to be able to score, but I think when push comes to shove, last year they had 19 sacks and just five interceptions. So they got to pressure the quarterback better. They got to they got to do a better job in coverage, and 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 it's a, a significant question mark. Yeah, the defense is is so young, and do you think that it's likely that, especially in conference play, you'll see this defense really struggle? to start the season, but as they get more experience, kind of get gelled into that system that they may turn the corner as the year goes on. You know, I think the goal of any team and any level is to be better in week 11 or 12 than you were in week one. And UNLV hasn't done that the last two years. And a lot of that is injuries, right? They, they still only have 74 scholarship players or 72 scholarship players when the, the max is 85. And, you know, you got a few guys that you're redshirting and developing and you get a few injuries at, at one position. And next thing you know, you're mixing and matching guys and you're moving guys around and you're taking a DB's redshirt to put him at wide receiver. And next thing you know, uh, the, the wheels are coming off. So I think if they remain healthy, then they have an opportunity to be better toward the end of the year. But if they lose one or two guys, especially in the secondary, it could get ugly and quick. Looking at this team with the young defense added to a freshman quarterback and still young pieces at running back in some of the skill positions, it seems like they may be a little bit inconsistent this year. Do you think that, not the goal of the team, because the goal of the team is always to make a bowl game or, or win the conference, but getting to maybe a bowl, just having more consistency this season and building towards 2018 is a realistic goal for them? Yeah, I mean, I think realistic. Uh, they went from, you know, two wins to three wins in his first year and three to four last year. I say a, a, a great season. You you could hang your hat on five wins if if you beat Reno in the last game of the year. But if you look at the way the schedule lines up, it's a very very easy to manage schedule. Uh, there's no way. There's no reason you can't win six games 
and get to a bowl. Um, you, you, you know, you open with Howard at home and everybody has, you know, one of those opponents that they're going to face this year. That's not that good. Ohio state has UNLV for example, but you, I mean, you've got home games against, you know, San Jose state, which is winnable. You're at Idaho, which you, you need to win. You've beaten Fresno state twice. They're at home. You've beaten Hawaii. They're at home. Uh, New Mexico can't throw the ball. So that's going to be the game in the history of college football. So, I mean, there's there's spots on this schedule. You could argue in September, UNLV will be 3-1. They'll beat Howard, beat Idaho, lose at Ohio State, beat San Jose State. They'll be 3-1 October 7th, hosting San Diego State. And folks in Vegas will start to take notice. It won't be as hot at night. And they'll get a pretty good crowd for that game and have an opportunity to uh, – to do something special. What do you think a good result for UNLV will be against Ohio State? You know, uh, so two years ago they were at Michigan and they only lost by 21 points, 28-7, very respectable. Uh, last year they played at UCLA and they were down six in the fourth quarter and they had the ball. So if you look at those two results, you would expect them to you know, to have the bar to keep it close. Now, I'll give you a real funny joke. Uh, so Sanchez is like, okay, so two years ago we're at, you know, Michigan. We didn't embarrass ourselves. Last year we were at UCLA. We had the ball driving with a chance to win early in the fourth quarter. He goes, but Ohio State, man, that's a different animal. That's a different program. So right there he's like, Ohio State's better than Michigan, right? So, I mean, for me, initially I was doing a schedule breakdown and I was like, okay, just don't get blown out. Don't lose 63 to zero. And then I started thinking, well, the next week is that San Jose state game and you want to be healthy and ready to go to open league play. You're going to lose regardless and still get the million for showing up. So for me, a successful trip is coming back with a healthy quarterback and few people banged up. I think that's always a, an interesting situation for these group of five teams to be in when they play a power five team like Ohio State that has that much talent is, okay, how hard do we want to play this, especially right before you get into conference play? Exactly. And that's a, that's a great question. I mean, they're not going to say, okay, listen, we're raising the white flag and we're just going to go over there and collect the check because I've, I've seen it where, you know, and I know it's high school's a lot different than in college or or the pros, but I've seen teams or, or even in the pros, you see a team not playing week 17. And then in the first round of the playoffs, they get knocked off. So you don't want to turn it off and you're trying to build a program that is like Boise. That's able to beat in Oklahoma or to compete on a national stage. So you don't want to tell the kids like, Hey, listen, we're just going through the motions. We really want to beat San Jose state because part of your sales pitch when you recruited these kids was like, Hey, listen, we're going to go into Columbus and we're going to knock them around and we're going to show that we can play real football here. So I expect them to, you know, to be ready to roll, man. How big of a game changer do you think that that new stadium that they're going to share with the Raiders is? And have all of those details been ironed out yet? And that's still an ongoing process, right? Yeah, that's a interesting process that kind of dominates the news here is how will the relationship between you know, the Oakland Raiders and, and UNLV work. Um, there's a significant problem with not enough parking. There's hardly any parking. And the Raiders want uh, to use UNLV for its parking lot and shuttle people about two miles to the game. 
and the Raiders are trying to limit the signage for UNLV on the stadium. And you have to remember that the state gave this project $750 million, which is unheard of primarily because UNLV was going to be playing there as well. So they're uh, going back and forth, uh, trying to work out how it's going to look and feel. You know, is UNLV going to get its own locker room? Is UNLV going to be able to do a spring game there, or have walkthrough practices there? Um, but in terms of recruiting, you know, it's the first thing they mention, right? Um, I've even seen things where, you know, you sign your letter of intent and four years later you sign a rookie deal with the Raiders. And uh, they're definitely playing up the fact that they're sharing a stadium with a pro team that it's going to be brand new. It's going to have all the bells and whistles and they're, they're ready to roll. What do you think a fair expectation for UNLV is in 2017? And where do you see this program three years from now? Uh, I, th I think a fair expectation would be, you know, to reach a bowl game. I think um, the way the schedule breaks down, I mean, outside of the Ohio State game, uh, there's not a, a game on that schedule where you're like, oh, gosh, I can't believe they're going to have to play this team. And, you know, in the past, they've had to play like Utah and TCU and uh, who knows in the same season. So the schedule is very manageable. I think six wins and a bowl game is very realistic. You know, in three years, if they get the on-campus training facility built and they're now playing in the Raider Stadium um, and the Rodgers kid comes here and, and has success when he could have went to the Pac-12, I think that, you know, UNLV could be a perennial bowl qualifying team. Are they going to be Boise State? I mean, probably not. I mean, that's the one non-power conference school that is consistently in the, the national radar, but could they be a, a perennial, you know, six to eight win team? Possibly. I mean, you have to realize UNLV's never played in consecutive bowl games. Well, if you want to check out any of UNLV season and any of Ray's fantastic coverage of the Rebels, be sure to do so by going to the Las Vegas Sun We'll have a link to some of his work in the blog post, as well as a link to the Rebel Room podcast, which you can check out on Apple Podcasts by searching Rebel Room Podcasts. And make sure to give Ray a follow on Twitter at RayBrewer21. Ray, thanks for joining the show. It was great talking to you NLV football with you. All right, Colton. Appreciate you, man. There you have it. A lot of interesting stuff about UNLV football, courtesy of Ray Brewer. Like I said earlier, we will have a link to all of his work in the Las Vegas Sun as well as the Rebel Room podcast so you can keep up with UNLV leading up to their matchup with Ohio State. So make sure to check that out. Also, check out all of our opponent series preview podcast right here on The Hangout in the Holy Land by going to soundcloud.com slash Land or search The Hangout in the Holy Land on Apple Podcasts. That's it for the non-conference edition of these opponent previews, but we are just getting started. Later on this week and next week, we're going to kick off the conference play version of this series and talk Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska. So keep an eye on your podcast feed. There's a ton of stuff coming your way, and I hope that you all are enjoying these previews as we head into the 2017 season. And if you do, drop me a line on Twitter, at DubsCo. Let me know what you like or don't like about the show or what we can do differently to make this the best Ohio State podcast on the internet. Until the next time we talk, though, my name is Colton Denning. This is The Hangout in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening, 
and go Bucks.